He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. Before a bridge keeper now, about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 86 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson and I'm again joined this week by Will. Hey Will. James, how are you? Good, you? Great, thank you very much. And uh, Barry O'Hanrahan to my left, how are you Barry? Oh, I'm great guys, how are you both? All good? Yeah, good, yeah. If anybody wants to get in contact with us, we're on Twitter at PodcastGTS and email is a goodtalkspoiled at gmail.com. So uh, look, let's shoot off pretty quickly with our, our own games. Barry, yeah. Uh, how did you feel you got on at the weekend? I got on fine. I had 33 points, I think, in the end. Um, yeah. Lipped out a couple of putts. Could have done a couple of things better. No, it's not the end of the world. It's not the best round I've ever played. It's not the worst. Hit some good shots. Hit some bad ones. So, um, I think, I think a, week, a week that was, and on to the next one. I think I, I played all right in spots, but for the first time in a long time, I was running up to the first tee box without any warm-up or any time on the practice green, and it was pretty noticeable, I think, and you as well. Mm. We both were arriving on the tee box at the same time. It's noticeable when you get into a rhythm of actually warming up, and then you get out of it, how, how bad the game is for the first few holes. Uh, well, how do you didn't, did you play Saturday? Yeah, my weekend was like a game of two halves, insofar as that, like, I actually find it, find it quite amusing the way you're talking about the warm-up and all that. Saturday, I arrived down to the driving range. <clears throat> I was only playing, I was playing 12 o'clock, so I was down to the driving range at, let's say, 10 o'clock. Hit about 50, 60 balls. Up to Glen of the Downs then. Play, you know, a bit of chipping, a bit of putting. Went out and had 27 points. Or 28 points, right? It wasn't an easy day, though, to It be wasn't fair. an easy like, day. It wasn't an easy day. But I was playing day, like, it was a I tough was, enough wind for Glen of the Downs. Yeah, it was not the wind. It yeah, was off the sea. It was, you know, it wasn't what we were used to. Um... Saying that, I'm not going to blame the wind for some of the shots that I hit. No, it wasn't um, too strong. It's just it's different from the prevailing wind. Yeah, so. yeah. But then the funny thing about it is that I I was I woke up on Sunday morning late, and like my tea time was eight forty, and I got out of bed at eight o'clock, and I literally made it down there at eight forty, ran up to the first tee, yeah. and ended up coming in with forty points, like seventy four <laughs> shots gross. Beat my the yesterday with all the practice and warm up by thirteen shots. So seventy four gross. Seventy four gross. Is that your lowest ever? No, my lowest ever is seventy. Seventy. Yeah, I was one hundred eight down of the downs uh, in one qualifying event. I played lower outside of qualifying. Yeah, but in those don't count. They, they don't count. No, for uh, your own, for your own feeling good or whatever. Yeah. They're great, but uh, so I got cut. Again. Again. So I'm no longer 6, uh, 6.9. Call you Edward Scissorhands or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm now down to 6.2, which means I'm officially a 6 handicapper. Congratulations. Thanks very much. So and, uh, I'm sure all the listeners are, are very happy we don't have to go, but the, go through the 6.9 thing again. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, us I, too. <laughs> I think the uh, the great thing is that, and you're 6.2, which means this, this weekend is the last qualifying for the season here in Ireland anyway, so... You'll finish for the, the well for our, for our club anyway. Wow. But I'm just actually interested by that because I know that the, let's say the Glen of the Downs do have Thursday opens, 
So I'm interested to see weather permitting, whether they might continue to be qualifying for the next uh, couple of weeks. It's possible. They're only like a couple of hour time sheet from, let's say, Mm -hmm. 10 until 12. So they may go through for the next couple of weeks. Um, From a time sheet point of view, obviously the clocks go forward, fall back, go back on Saturday night. This is the worst time of year. Yeah, so first Sunday morning now was our first uh, 12-hole competition. Uh, fast forwarded into winter and the yeah. darkness and everything. It's, darkness, uh, leaves on the course, wet course, it's dank. It's the one bit I don't mind playing in winter. I do mind playing 12-hole competitions. I just don't like that. I don't know why. I think on Saturdays where you have to have a full time sheet. Yeah. But on Sunday mornings they could just do a you know, from eight eight thirty through yeah, to yeah, like eleven, and just play an eighteen hole competition. It just doesn't seem sensible to me. Plus, we then have the unfortunate situation where you play the same twelve holes, all you know, all the, the next, time, and then all of a sudden, yeah. Mm. So it just it, it's it's a bit frustrating. But uh, I wonder if there's so. Yeah, we can maybe put a suggestion and play. We have. Um, We've new cap new captain this year as you do. Um, he seems really kind of open to ideas, new new concepts, new he only competitions. Has one idea, and that's he wants to play strokes every week. Oh, I like that. <laughs> well, well, I like that. think a lot of people do. Um, but you know, he's playing off four. Maybe there's a way to do a, a composite of the golf course where you chop and you know you jump between holes rather than playing the same twelve straight out, like you just said. You know, there, there's diff- there's options and things. But my dream, fun competitions. My dream at some stage out in Glen of the Downs because obviously that's where I, where we play. Is that I'd love to make up a golf course. Well, there is this twelve holes, so you know you could play from the you know, like one of the fantastic golf hole would be the seventeenth tee to the eighteenth green and played as a par five. Oh yeah, that was they, they had that in mind when they were originally designing the course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's um, also you could play off the seventh tee box down to eight. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, there's, there's a lot of choices. In and fact, your dad was making a suggestion that uh, halfway down the 16th fairway to play to the 17th. Ha- yeah, well, sorry, the fairway on 16 is like halfway down the par three, but it is cut as fairway. You could put a tee box on one of the little plateaus as you go down the hill and play over the trees between 17 and 12. So you're just changing the course and the angles. I mean, you could almost play off the 16th tee box to the 17th. Yeah, you know, but what you could there's also there's fun stuff to be had. I mean, I wonder what you could also do. Sorry, just to cut you there, is you could play from the fifteenth tee to the seventh green. Now, just for all those listeners out there, obviously you're not going to know what we're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, but but these are just the idea is that like you know you could change your golf course around so as you know there's sometimes you're standing up in a tee box and going. Do you know, this would be amazing if we played it backwards and played to a different green. Well, what we're just doing now is just yeah. talking about but I'm, I'm the concept sure of Glen of the Downs. And I'm you sure, might be able to do it in your own course. I'm sure listeners have done the same thing with their own golf courses. I wonder if anyone, anyone's club has actually gone ahead and done this during the winter when it's non-qualifying. You can play around with things a bit. Like, we always wanted to see the tee boxes pushed up on some holes on certain days, you know, for certain competitions. Like they do on the PGA Tour, they shorten and lengthen holes per the conditions on the day or to encourage them to go to, for a drivable par four. You know, th- there's things like that that we think can be done, which just because you're shortening a hole doesn't mean it's actually getting easier. You're actually bringing more hazards into play or more potential disaster into play. And wondering if, if other, if people, you know, if any of your listeners, courses do do that, it'd be interesting to hear. And, you know, say do do. I, I, I'm cutting. GTS. I'm cutting that and putting on a five-minute timeout as well. <laughs> yeah. Podcast GTS talking about chopping and changing, and I suppose this is absolutely the biggest news uh, this side of the Atlantic at the moment, which is that the Open Championship is heading across to the wonderful Royal Port Rush, and it was announced today that they're going to be the uh, the, the venue for 2019. But I suppose first time in 70, nearly 70, 68 years. 
that has been played out of uh, outside of, of of the British Isles. But it's it's going to be an amazing experience, I think, for us because it will be very easy for us to get to. Yeah. And um, the the bigger news, I suppose, is also that the RNA today have confirmed that it's going on the rota. It is now going to be that's excellent. It's not just going to be a once off. It it's actually going on the seven. It's going on the seven year rota. So it is going to be a qualifying location that will be. Just turning up every so often, which is great. That's superb. I mean, and it might kind of start to ease out a couple of those open courses that don't always meet everybody's uh, expectations for how great, you know, how great a championship it is versus where the course used to be. In ter- but now, in modern times, it's kind of fallen behind where the where the where the state of the game is. So uh, you have to say, really, it's progressive. Kudos to Darren Clark, Rory McIlroy, Gray McDowell. Or uh, even Harrington, you know, all those guys. I'm sure everybody up in Port Rush and Northern Ireland golf, you know, they're all involved. Oh yeah, he's trying as well. And I think it's really been pushed out since obviously McElroy brought the Irish Open to Port. Port sorry, not just McElroy, but all of those yeah. golfers. You know, all the Irish golfers who've really brought it back to home and kind of said, "Listen, this is good enough." Mm-hmm. You know, like even like a lot of the guys would consider it the best golf course they've ever played. Yeah. You know, like even Ricky Fowler came over for the Irish Open a couple of years ago and he turned around and said he loved it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is a proper test of golf. Yeah, it's it, and it's also one of those bucket list courses that when you hear a lot of the uh, the tour players saying, you know, would they want to play in, in somewhere like Royal Port Rush, they're putting it right up there with the yeah. likes of St. Andrews, you know. So mm-hmm. it's not going to be a reduction in quality. If anything, it's going to be a rise in, in, in quality to this, some of the courses that have been picked over the last while. So it's, just musing here, like this is probably probably got to be one of the best years ever for great news in Irish golf, like the the success of the Irish Open, the Rory Foundation, and the further commitment by Dubai GD Free to getting it up to a high level. We've like you know the the Open Championship now going to Royal Board. It's just been great. Like you, you I think Paul Dunn on the Open. I was going to say you can drill down and look at a lot so, of the Walker Cup players, yeah. you know, coming from Ireland. A lot of great amateurs, even in the in the female side of of golf. We've got a few uh, an under sixteen year old who uh, who's you know one of the best in the world at, at underage level. And this year is a major, but other than that, like news wise, it's just and success wise, it's been great for the, yeah. for Irish golf and long may it continue. Yeah, I, I heard Darren Clark talking about just what it would mean to the area and to the people as well, of not just Northern Ireland but the whole of the GUI because. For, for people who might not realise, Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland have just one golfing union. So it's it's an all-Ireland um, you know, uh, union and it's an all-Ireland event, which will be amazing and it's it's great for the economy up there. And it's I, I, would the like to, I would like to think that for all of the people who are avid listeners of the Golf Podcast, they would probably be followers of golf and therefore this would have been highlighted, like I say, a couple of years ago with the whole McElroy Olympics fiasco. That you know that would have come across that although he is from Northern Ireland and considered, I suppose, British mm. for the sake of his nationality, that due to the fact that he had played a lot of golf, well, all his golf being brought up as the, through the GUI, that that was one of the reasons why he he chose to uh, to care for the uh, for Ireland in, yeah. the, in the Olympics. Well, I, I just think it's 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 great, but I suppose there's a few other stories that have been going around today, and uh, one that caught my attention was the uh, the reigning U.S. mid amateur champion, uh, Sammy Smith, uh, has already accomplished the hard part. He qualified for the U.S. Masters, but he's 35 with uh, a wife and two kids, and uh, 
has worked out that it's going to cost him about 30,000 US dollars to be able to not just play the event, but he also gets playing rights for the winter down in, in Augusta for practice. And uh, he felt he had to give it up on the basis that it just was going to be way too much money because he's part-time, he's obviously he's, he's the, the, the mid-USA amateur, mid-amateur. His wife has now gone onto the internet and has put up on um, one of these self-funding websites yeah, looking for 30,000 from golfers who want to see this guy at the Masters. And in four, I want to see him at the Masters. Yeah, well, this is it. Well, well, this is it. So uh, a lot of kind of 5, 10, 15, 25 dollars have been donated. So they've got up to, I think, 18,000 dollars before oh, when yeah. I left the house to come record. So it's a great story. It'll be interesting to see. Imagine, you like, know, to, to everyone has there. a stake in his uh, in his performance. Like, yeah, you know. interestingly though, the, well, you're an interest. You're, yeah, you can't win any money off him. He's an amateur. You can't win money. But the, but the, the US, the bookies. but That's the US, uh, the USPGA don't allow this type of fundraising. So uh, it says on the fundraising website, it's please just give your name as anonymous. Because otherwise, yeah. <laughs> it would be discounted. Ah, uh, that's so, hilarious. Good so story. I think yeah, I think it's a great, great story, and yeah. you know, it's it's great for for a guy, thirty four, father or two, you know, to to live the dream. Like I think we'd all, oh, you know, like, oh we'd all love that it's, dream. It's, it's a dream that we'd all take uh, and and run with. And um, I suppose just a few other little little bits uh, this week, and we're going to come on to it in 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 a few minutes' time. But the. Um, the USPGA moves on to uh, uh, the Shriners Hospital for Children Open in Nevada. But more interestingly from that is that Titleist have sent all their tour playing players the new Vokey Wedge, the new SM6. It's not like you or me to talk about Titleist. No, 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 no. Well, <laughs> well, first no, time for everything on I the show. Know, there's plenty of... Uh, if anyone was to see me, I'm actually nodding my head in disapproval. I, I, actually, <laughs> one of our listeners, Mark Sheehan, was, uh, was on to us on Twitter uh, last week. He said, James, all all the talk about your new clubs gives fellow golfers green and green eye envy. So okay, well, I apologise uh, because I'm... I'm yeah, loaded. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still looking for. I haven't got them yet. So, uh, yeah, Mark, if it makes you feel any better, I don't know if I mentioned last week, but I'm actually playing with 20 year old blades. And <laughs> so, you're playing off six. So yeah, there six, you go. So, so, uh, you know, it, it's not all about the clubs. It really is. You need a bit of talent as well. Yeah, yeah. it's not always the arrows. The engine has a bit of a, an effect on it as well. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, and Santa's not too far away, Mark. So maybe. <clears throat> Jesus, I'd love something new off Santa. Yeah. Be great. Uh, you just like anything that isn't a piece of coal. No. Hey. Hey. Uh, I suppose then finally we, we look at Ian Poulter and uh, his scramble to save his Ryder Cup eligibility yeah. um, so this is a story where uh, Ian Poulter who obviously the you know European Ryder Cup postman because he always delivers no. um, he was about to lose his card on the European tour because he requires a 13 starts for members to be able to be eligible to retain it he was expecting that his 13th or one of the 13 this season was going to be the WGC out in China. But because of what we're about to talk about and, and the guys who have won over the last few weeks in the European Tour, he's actually been knocked to 51st in the world and hence isn't getting to go to the WGC. Doesn't have any more events mm-hmm. uh, this side of, of the end of the season in January to be able to get his 13th. So... Uh, very kindly, I think was a Rick Beam. Rich Beam, Rich yeah. Beam has yeah. uh, kindly handed over his uh, 
sponsor's invite to allow him to go to Hong Kong and play this weekend. That's some string pulling, isn't it? And fair play to Rich Bean. That, that's a really, really serious gesture. I think Poulter... Especially considering because he's American. Can you imagine yeah. Poulter would make the Ryder Cup team as a, on the back of this? Like, I mean, sure, like, Rich Bean should be expecting it. One of Poulter's Ferraris or something. Well, like it's, uh, he's not <laughs> getting a Ferrari. Ian Poulter did tweet at uh, Ian James Poulter, which says, uh, thanks to at Beam, Beamer PGA for giving up his invitation to allow me to play in Hong Kong. Where would you like me to take you for dinner? Dinner over the car. I think he's. But I think I think it'd be somewhere nice in the Ferrari or handing me the keys to afterwards. But I think the funniest thing was that I don't think in the article I was reading, which was on golf.com or something Mm. like that, that. the funny enough, the way they worded it, they didn't actually assume that Poulter was going to qualify by right. They said that if he didn't actually play in this 13th event, he wouldn't have been ineligible to receive a wildcard pick by Darren Clark. Well, I think the, when you look at the fact that he started, I think, 27th in the world this year, he's gone to 51st. 51st yeah. Unless he does probably a Paul Casey or a Luke Donald and starts moving back the other way pretty soon, mm. I think you probably are looking at... And and that's going to be very tough for him, and we're not going to get too far into the Ryder Cup talk, but there are so many really good players that, you know, Ian Poulter might really be at risk if he doesn't make the team um, in its own right. But look, that's uh, I think that just finally on that story was the fact that he wasn't expecting that he'd have to go to Hong Kong. He didn't even have his visas and his passport ready, and they only arrived two hours before he had to go to the airport for the flight. So, oh, fun times. We'll, fun we'll times. see how Ian uh, do, goes this weekend. Yeah. And uh, it'll be just the story though that he'd go and win it, or certainly a top ten. I'd say you'll yeah. take that off you right now. Um, so that that was the kind of the news that that kind of had stood out. I don't think there well, was the only one was the, the continual uh, roundabout that is the top of the world rankings. Jason Day getting number one. Um, he went to number one. He went to number one. Yeah, they playing. Yeah, Jordan Speed number two, Rory three, and then a good good gap down back to Bubba Watson, Ricky Fowler, and Stenson. So. Um, so the merry-go-round continues, but this this is great. Like it just shows how close these guys are uh, in competing, and it's just it's good for us as viewers. Yeah. I think um, it's also good for the game because yeah. you know we've had the likes of the Tigers there for you know Dominated. hundreds and hundreds of weeks, and you just kind of stop looking at the world rankings. Ooh, best guess: possible. how many weeks Tiger Woods total uh, world number one? Oh, Five hundred thirty-six. Like weeks? Yeah, weeks. Oh, he was. It was something like. Crazy, like a thousand. He, it was nearly like eight years or something that he had. Uh, it's like the price is right now. Will is closer. Six hundred and eighty-three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only because across the top eight, of the world. Eight, right eight, now. eight years by fifty-two. Yeah, no, no. I, I, oh, I, we don't need yeah, yeah. No, but he said a thousand. But he went. It was like a thousand because it was like eight years. <laughs> well, it was a minimum of eight years. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, anyway, doesn't let let's move on. Um, so the LPGA. Uh, KEB Hannah Bank Championship it was uh, at the Sky Club 72 Golf Club Ocean Course in South Korea it was the 6,364 yard par 72 and Lexi Thompson wins by one shot and uh, I suppose actually the real story of this whole tournament was um, the young player um, whose name Amy Yang yeah. who uh, birdied every one of the back nine why not sure what? it's it's easy yeah. She shot a back nine twenty seven. No. Nine birdies on the bounce. That's like playing a computer game. It's like playing Tiger Woods like years ago when it was like really easy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we need more backspin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yang birdied the final nine holes for a sixty two. 
She became the first player in tour history to close with nine straight birdies, tied the record for consecutive birdies set by Bet Daniel in 1999 and broke the nine-hole mark for relation to par at nine under and matched the record for the lowest total at 27. <coughs> that is in no way plagiarised or read from a website. <laughs> I don't see why I can't read that from a website. Uh, thanks very much, Barry, for that. Yeah. I didn't um, even know that... Uh, fair play to James, because I didn't even know about that. It's great. Um, so Lexi Thompson broke out of the crowd on Sunday to win it. Um, she carded a closing 369 to beat uh, Yang Sing and South Korean Sung Hung Park mm-hmm. by a stroke on Sky 72's Ocean Course. Sure, longest Twitter handle ever. Like, really? Yeah, no, it has to be like Sky Club 72 Golf Club Ocean Course. I mean, like, there's no space tag. There's no space left to actually write anything else in your tweet. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's your 150 cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, talking about world uh, rankings, uh, Lydia Ko missed a chance to take the top spot in the world from South Korean star Inby Park, finishing with 72 that dropped the 18-year-old South, Af- uh, South Korean-born New Zealander into a tie for fourth. So I suppose that brings everybody up to date on the world rankings, both for male and uh, females. But uh, That's great for Liz- Lexi Thompson, because I was obviously, you know, it was very upset about her um, in the, the last, you know, the unofficial, uh, the last major... Oh, the Afghan Championship, the yeah, fifth major, yeah, she yeah. She was actually, like, winning it, and then she got, she got picked by her one, Lydia Coe. She's been playing great for the last, yeah. the last couple of months. Uh, the win was on the cards. Even yeah, when yeah. it came to the Solheim Cup, she was playing amazing and all that kind of stuff. So, delighted to see her actually getting a win. Yeah, just, super player. And she's gorgeous. So. Yeah, that too. Well, there you go. That's, that says it all. Moving on to the European Tour. Yeah, so <laughs> the European Tour was down in Portugal at the Portugal Masters in the Oceana Victoria Golf Club in Villamora in Portugal. And uh, this was a one-person show. And uh, Andy Sullivan, English-born, won by nine shots, minus 23. With, what a cruise. Well... The, the, just to put it in perspective, Chris Wood came second. He was minus 14. Then Anthony Wall tied third with Fisher Jr. At min- and De La Riva at minus 13. And then from there, it just went out and out. Um, it got pretty boring on Sunday watching this because uh, he pretty much just cruised to victory with very little uh, worry about it. Did you get to see any of this, Will? I, I would have seen more of the first couple of days. Uh, rather than Sunday, obviously, with being uh, rugby quarterfinal weekend and the, uh, one of the sad days in sad days Irish rugby and history, Scottish rugby and, yeah. history. Uh, I tried to watch a bit of it um, recorded there yesterday, but I didn't really get through much of it. But it's, it's hard to do that through the tears from our loss. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see how Vera Quiris's uh, putt from about two inches from the hole that he hit? Oh, it's yeah. so firmly it bounced from the back of the backboard and straight back out. But yeah. did that not pop <laughs> off the plastic liner of the cup? That's what I thought I it might have been sticking out a bit, and I caught the very edge of that plastic. You know, the, yeah. the thing that holds the hole open or keeps the well, the, I, the earth from collapsing. I did see it in slow mo, and it looked to me like he just hit it so hard at the back that it was actually the the, the top of the hole. Yeah. Was looking to bounce in, go in, and then bounce back out I, by just the sheer whatever top e- spin on yeah. it. Yeah, well, whatever exactly happened, it was disgusting, and yeah, yeah, he yeah. just he, he was just the guy was in shock. It was kind of comical as well. So, uh, so um, yeah, I will say from from obviously watching it on Thursday, you know, you're getting very excited. You know, obviously bringing it home to to Ireland to see Paul Dunn, and he was six under par. 
for eight holes yeah on his first round and he must have thought he was in heaven until he threw a ball out of bounds on the sorry when I say threw a ball out of bounds <laughs> he didn't literally his driver yeah. into, into water on the left hand side of the, uh, the 18th his 9th at the time yeah. but from there he just deteriorated it was like he was on uh, I'm an I'm untouchable uh, roll and then it just literally fell apart because he went you know I think he finished with a 3 under he was 3 under after the first round yeah. Saturday it's, killed him it with the you know so I think he had like a seventy seven on Saturday. Yeah, he uh, 68, 72, 77, 70. He did make the cut though. I think he made the cut. And he made some money, which is very good for him. But and I think that in terms of his since he turned pro, the seventy seven is the first time he's been over par in a professional round. Yeah. since he started, so it's it's pretty impressive. I suppose just to look at a few other stories that I suppose. On an Irish perspective, Damien McGrain um, played his last ever tournament on the European Tour and has announced his retirement, uh, finished tied 29th at 6-under and has, uh, to a certain extent, hung up the card at this stage. That's a pretty respectable uh, swan song, isn't it? Like To, to go out with you know, a good performance like that. Fuck I think, I think he himself, though. unfortunately, would admit that it hasn't been good enough over the last few years. And it's, he's been, it's been a, it's far a more struggle. What he said to him was that he literally, uh, now this is coming second hand by the way, it was someone I was playing with on Sunday told me this, that uh, he said that it was just getting too hard, he said the younger people are just hitting ball 20, 30 yards farther than him and it was just demoralising and too hard to keep up with them, they're hitting short irons, he's hitting long irons. You know, it was just a different game now, so even with the equipment and everything being, you know, all things being equal... Yeah, with regards to equipment wise and whatnot, he just wasn't able to get the ball out there's, there. There's an far. age gap, you know. He's a he's a stocky built guy, but he's not the tallest nor. But these guys are just they're they've been training for years to build up to this, and they're they're in peak physical form. Yeah, and but, he, but even look at Andy Sullivan. Like you know, he went out and whitewashed. He's been playing great golf on the European tour. He hasn't really made that leap to the PGA tour yet, um, or the majors, but it's coming. You know, I remember sitting here with you guys at the beginning of the year or whatever, and I had said, "Watch out for Andy Sullivan." Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he's the same. You know, he's a small guy. He's only five foot seven. You know, yeah, but he's younger, so he's got that. He's, he's younger, more acceleration. He's, yeah, he's got. That's what I'm saying. It's it's an. Uh, I think it's an age thing. I think there's twenty years of a gap. Yeah. yeah, and I think just I suppose you can you can look at stats whichever way you want. But I suppose driving distance uh, for you know he's 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 kind of hitting on average for 2015 at seven uh, two seventy four. And uh, his, his peak was two eighty, so you know he is. That's right there with the shorter hitters. Yeah, and, they, and then you, you I know, hit the ball that far. You know his his, mm-hmm. his greens now, and regulations not were to a pro level and consistent and whatnot, but that is my distance. Yeah, and I'd yeah. be forty yards shorter than. But it's look, it's you know we wish him all the best. Um, myself and Barry have had had the pleasure to meet him a couple of times down in uh, in the pro arms, but look, um, the very best of best of luck to him in the retirement. I suppose another person who's forced retirement. Um, or certainly is not going to be returning to the European Tour next year is the Irish player Paul Lowry who unfortunately missed oh, Peter Lowry, Peter Lowry, Lowry yeah. sorry missed missed the cut last weekend and uh, has has all but lost out on the tour card so he'll have a decision to make over the next few weeks as to mm. what's he what's he going to do school. it's been a, yeah it's been a long struggle for him yeah, ever since we kind of started the show like we remember Bob and Alan watching you know keeping an eye on him and that year you know the year he just saved us and you know, it's just it's, it's always been there thereabouts yeah you know it's always been it was never easy it was never easy but that's the other side of it you know there's the side of the pros that never make it yeah 
there's a side of the pros that are always on that line. Mm. Then there's the likes of potentially Paul Dunn, who you know could make it. Um, and then you're looking at the likes of McElroy who never had to try. Yeah, that's the amazing. Thing. Sorry, you've done it. Get me wrong. You obviously had to give up a lot of things and whatnot. Mm. But you know, you, the different levels. What's the amazing about Dunn? But for all the headlines and the successes this year, and what a great, and he'll openly say one of the best years of my life. He has to because of everything that's gone yeah. on with the Open and the, the Walker Cup and all. He's still only in the second stage of Q school. Yeah, you know, he's going so to Q school next month. He, uh, yeah, so he's already made a hundred thousand euro um, from being a professional golfer, which isn't bad in the space of three weeks. No, that no, no, I mean, and that will fund you for staying on tour. Yeah, if he gets the card. Gets card. So that's it's a great start. Um, so and that just goes to show what the uh, what St Andrews did for him because mm-hmm. on the back of that performance, he got all the invites. Yeah. I think I suppose just fin- finishing uh, the discussion, and I suppose we haven't really talked a huge amount about the Portugal Masters, but um, looking at the, you know, we were talking about um, Ian Poulter not necessarily being, you know, guaranteed for the Ryder Cup. You look at just how good some of the young English players are. You know, you've got Danny Willett as as won this year. You have uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick last week winning. You now have Andy Sullivan. You know, the, the cream and the, the quality of English golfers that are coming through at the moment uh, is really and going to make the likes of Ian Poulter, Luke Darnold. Yeah. Uh, real real questions, you know. Like, you know uh, mm-hmm. But the one the big thing that they were speaking about the last day was, uh, I think it was um, your man, uh, he was out playing. You know the way, I think it was the week before in the British Masters that they actually had your man Nick Doherty and he was out on the course. And yeah. He was being recorded on the, mic'd up on the par threes. And he was actually playing with Tyrrell Hatton and Eddie mm. Pepperell on one of the days. I think it might have been Saturday. Two super young players. They are all just turning around and saying, Tyrrell Hatton is a great golfer, but Eddie Pepperell, there is something special about Eddie Pepperell. So, like, oh, it's unfortunate at the moment that he had to pull out of the British Masters because he broke his Home or something like that. So he's out for the next five to six weeks. But that guy is one to be watched next year. Now. Yeah, they're two two serious talents. Yeah, um, that I, my call for next year is Eddie Pepperell. Yeah, I really heard it here. Heard, yeah. heard it here. I'm mine, mine for this I year. Just, I have to give credit to the the tournament committee in the European Tour for running the shotgun start on the Saturday yeah. and Sunday when they yeah. knew the weather was coming. They made an early call and said, "Let's get this done. Let's not have a Let's situation." Finished, yeah. They've had they, we. Portugal's been very unlucky with the weather and the tournaments. The Madeira Islands Open, the Portu- Portugal Masters again. You know, before they played, they did very well. They played it very well, and uh, unusual to see a pro event um, done in shotgun. But they got the event finished, and fair I, I think it's it, it it's clearly a sign of the times. It's what you know they broke the tradition mm-hmm. twelve months ago at the the, the Open Championship. Yeah. You know. You know, did did the two T start at the weekend, things like that. I think it's the only thing to do. It, it made sense. They've got all the technology to know when the weather fronts are coming in. If yeah. you're going to ruin the event for people at home and the spectators there, you're better just making the call and make it early and do the right thing. And it was the right thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Because you, there's just so many events in the schedule these days. They really can't afford to run into a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday, as they were talking about, as a possible. You know, the guys have to get to another event. Another event, you know, And they've got tight schedules. They've got flights to catch. they got to, you know, cross time zones and everything. They but might even try to get home to their family for a day or two before they head off to the next event. The events need to get done on time, barring these barring crazy weather. And I think that ultimately, not just all of what you've said, which is absolutely right, but also the financial side of it. You mm-hmm. know, a couple more days in the hotel, changing the flights, which you've probably booked for first thing Monday morning or late Sunday night. 
you know, all yeah. of that, you know, where you might be picking up a check for five, six, seven thousand euros. You get eaten you up. You know, that's gone. You know, and this is, it's an expensive hobby and it's an expensive life and to be out on tour. It's not just the golfers as well. It's the spectators. It's everything that's involved in running a tournament, like, you know, from the, the hospitality, the catering, the all the staff, the volunteers. Are volunteers. Yeah. It's everything involved in it. And to get the tournament finished or completed by on a Sunday, albeit early, is, is a huge achievement. And the, it's a great precedent for other events that might run into similar situations. Well, one that certainly didn't have any problems starting and finishing was over in the uh, the US, uh, the Fries.com Open, which was the season, first of the wraparound season, was taking place in Napa Valley, in uh, just north of San Francisco in California. And uh, Emiliano Grillo um, won this at the first, second playoff hole against Kevin Na. And uh, he is only the third player in the last 15 years to win on his first official start on the PGA Tour, which I suppose doesn't come as a huge shock as he won the uh, Tour Championship on the web.com only mm-hmm. the week before, Hot or, or a couple of weeks before. But uh, anybody want to take a stab at any of the other two The other two people that, have uh, won. that won in their first official start on the US PGA? Um, your man. Um, oh, great guess. That's, yeah, oh I, no, it's your man. Yeah. Your man, yeah, it's well, definitely the, the chicken dance. Man. The chicken dance. You know, he's, you know, he comes in and out and, oh. oh, and he was spitting and all that kind of stuff. James Han. No, no, he's the American guy. He had the fight with the, with the Spanish dude. <laughs> <laughs> will, will I put you Is this an episode of The Simpsons? No, he had the fight during the match play with, so uh, what's one, him? No. One is in 2013. Oh god. He won, he won a major on his first time going out and playing. Uh, his first major playing. Um, you know that I'm thinking of. He does the turn every time he went up to go to the ball. This is quite enjoyable for probably everybody other than the listeners. You know, you know your man who smokes the cigars. What's the guy's name who smokes the cigars? Are you going to take Jimenez? Jimenez. Jimenez and someone else okay. had a fight in the match play. Yeah, oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's the guy's name? The golfer. If we knew that, we'd probably have told you by now. I, I mean, we might say. actually consider moving to a video podcast to get real. So, <laughs> no, okay, so in any event, anyway, uh, I'm going to go. Can I go with? Can I go with? Um, can I go with the other guy? Your guy, Brooks Kepka. We have. Oh, hang on. We have ch- no uh, chicken dance for five points. Yeah, 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 chicken yeah, dance. Yeah. And our survey says. The 2013 was Russell Henley. Russell Henley, of course. And 2007 was the one and only Henrik Stenson. Oh. Oh, I can't believe you didn't get your horn there. Uh, <laughs> but Do you know the guy I'm talking about, though? We don't, and we're going to just move on, to be honest oh, with you. Well, all right, well, I'm in the background, so look, Google chicken dance. At the, end, at the end yes. of the day, Emiliano Grillo edged out Kevin Nan, the second extra hold, win the Fries.com, and... As we've just said, become the third, only the third player in 15 years to win in on his first official start. This is a tournament, Barry, that um, seems to constantly throw up guys who are coming off the web.com, being playing really well on that, and showing that the step up from the web.com to the PGA may not be quite as big a gulf as it used to be. No, not at all. They're ready. It was uh, it was a Damon Green, Zach Johnson's caddy. No. No, okay. Right. He okay. did have the fight. But let's let's yeah, concentrate yeah, yeah. here for a moment. No, these guys these guys uh, like these guys aren't afraid to come out and chat and compete with them. We saw that this year with the the rookies like Justin Thomas, he was up there again. 
he poked his head up the top of leaderboards loads last year. Um, as did Daniel Berger. Um, you know, th- these guys are ready to go. They're, they're well proven. They're well oiled. And arguably they're more prepared for, uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. We'll, thank, well, well googled. Um, they're well oiled from the web.com thing rather than the FedEx Cup where the guys might have missed the last couple of events, the FedEx Cup. These guys have gone all the way through the web.com tour championship. 50 of them are arriving having played high level competitive golf and they're straight into the season opener when a lot of the guys who are already, you know, tour card holders from previous seasons are just easing into the first event of the season and these other guys are, you know, already in third gear. And for, you know, we, we talked last week about the, um, the amount of the, the on the Paddy Power and the, the odds and that there was a huge fall off after you kind of went with Rory and then mm-hmm. Justin Rose and then there's one or two others. But just to put it in perspective, that Grillo now with this win, you know, he, he secures his FedEx Cup points. We'll not worry too much about that. But he gets his invite to the Masters. He gets his invite to the PGA. So he's he's guaranteed two majors this year. He's also got his now his guaranteed membership of the tour through to the 2017-2018 season. You know, forgetting about the fact that he also, I think, pocketed the guts of a million dollars for this mm-hmm. victory. This is a tournament, and, and these first couple of weeks is really, for the guys coming off the web.com tour, has a great chance to actually pocket a tour card, which Peter Lowry and a lot of other lads that we were talking about earlier would kill for. You know, so it's... Um, well, he nearly did kill for it. If no one cops on to what I'm saying. No. The 17th hole, which is drivable part four. Uh, it's 298 yards long and. Oh, Grio. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm sorry, what did Peter Laurie do to kill someone? So did I, yeah. Sorry, Will, Will's brain works in mysterious ways. Sorry, I've been very cryptic. Um, yeah, this was the situation that Rory was standing and just chipped and. Uh, but it was, it would actually hit the other person. Yeah. I can't remember who McElroy was playing with, but someone who was, was actually. Justin playing Rose, well. was it one of the first So this was on Saturday. It was on Saturday. They were, off the beaten, they were off the beaten track, like. You know, McElroy had started the day five under. Now Grillo had, was right behind him, mm. which meant that he was only starting six under. So you have to imagine that he came. Well, can I give you the quote Grillo. from Grillo after he was told what had happened? Was it in Spanish? Which it said, no, it isn't. Uh, it said, I didn't want to be the guy who almost hit Rory McElroy this week. I wanted people to know me because I have the trophy. I think he himself uh, knows, uh, knows his own place. But look, King Bradley... Um, it, it was a very impressive uh, performance um, by him. I suppose the question has to go to Kevin Na. He takes first playoff hole. Uh, Grillo has a chance to win it. Misses the short putt. And uh, I think he was probably having thoughts of the Puerto Rico uh, championship a couple of weeks back when he did exactly the same thing and lost in the playoff. But... Kevin Na tees up, they're both in the middle of the fairway and he hits the driver off the deck and basically kind of just duck hooks it kind of off actually, down the fairway. Actually, I'm there. Uh, Grillo was in the bunker. They actually reversed the situations on the playoff holes. The first playoff holes, Kevin Na went into the bunker, Grillo was on the fairway. And then they actually reversed it and Grillo went into the bunker and Kevin Na went into the fairway. It was on the fairway, which made it even more ridiculous that he duck hooked a driver off the deck. He's trying to stand on his throat though and just seal it right there and then, isn't he? Well, it was, you know... It was a professional shot. Like, he was on it, he was on a good lie, 
It was just C2... 274. Yeah, he was just on the outside of his part of the of the three wood, but he had a good lie to get there. Kevin yeah. now claims that he had hit four to five other drivers off the deck over yeah. the course of the week, and that by far that was the worst, but he had every confidence that he was well, going to be well, able to do it. He had done it. It wasn't something he was just plucking out of the yeah, sky yeah, yeah. in it's the 74 and holes and, yeah. and stuff like that you know um, so that's why you and like those guys they, you know we've seen guys they stand up over the ball if it doesn't feel 100% right they will take time to think it over mm-hmm. you know um, we are the guys that make the mistakes because we just take out a club and hit it even though we have never practiced it you know that kind of way oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas like you know I've hit driver off the deck on, on, on a number of occasions and gotten away with it and he did get away with it. The problem is that he short-sided himself and left it impossible. Then, so he short-sided himself, was off, just off the back of the green at three, and then chipped two put it. He pretty much handed it to Grio. Grio had two putts from four foot. Yeah, and and I suppose to a certain extent, for it would have been interesting if Emiliano had been on the fairway after seeing that shot. What would he have done? Would he have laid it up? Once he was in the bunker, he had very little choice but to lay it up, which kind of took it out of well, his I, hands. I think the shot, and the, if if he had been in a situation where he was sitting second, after what uh, Kevin Nadd did, he would have had to have laid up. The only logical choice is try up right. Jack and show him how it's done. Well, lay up right, <laughs> right hand side. Don't short side yourself. Yeah. And there's that famous word again. Don't. And all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of like, yeah, don't duck hook this. You know, instead of just saying, do hit it straight. Yes, do yeah. hit it straight or do hit it outright. Yeah. It, um, I suppose if we look at a couple of other players, um, Jason Bone, unfortunately, didn't quite do it. There was a lot around the minus 14, but he just just came up short. Um, he had a good shout on 18 for birdie. He did. It was about 15, 20 foot, I think, but he just barely missed it. There was, there was a few... Uh, Charles Wurzel played very well over the course of uh, the, the the weekend. Again, coming up short at minus twelve, but uh, put in a, another decent performance off the back of the Presidents Cup. Yeah. Um, Justin Rose, bit disappointed in his his final he had round. A chance. He was in the lead uh, with about four or five holes to go. He had got up to fourteen under and then bogeyed uh, fifteen and sixteen or something like that, which ended his competition, uh, which was very very unfortunate. Yeah, he bogeyed twelve. Bogeyed 15 and bogeyed 17, and 17, then he ended sorry. up birdieing 16, but that's Whatever way it worked out, pretty much gone. he was gone, you know, the Kanoe. He was on a roll, and everyone else seemed to be dropping shots um, around him, whereas he was just playing steady, kind of getting a couple of birdies, because he started at 12, all of a sudden got up to 14, and then he was in the lead, and you were thinking to yourself going, yeah, the cream is rising to the crop here, or to the top, excuse me, the cream is rising to the top. And uh, then obviously he made a couple of lazy swings. It was uh, it was frustrating to to see it towards the end. But delighted for Grillo. I uh, think he's a, an absolutely fantastic golfer, and I think he's the kind of guy that you can see, you know, really pushing on. Well, um, it was, there was an interesting comment that was um, I think it was on the Golf Digest website this week, and kind of said guys like him are looking at Jordan Spieth, who are about the same age, some mm-hmm. are actually older than him, looking at him and looking that you know. With a bit of hard work and a bit of luck, and I, I, I wouldn't put luck down to what Jordan Speed did this season, but you know they're looking at them going, you know, God, if Jordan can do it, you know, I, pl- I was playing amateur golf with him, and you know, I beat him in match plays when we were in college, and mm-hmm. he's gone on to win, you know, majors and has won W, and all of a sudden you're kind of looking at it going, ah, 
hold on a second. If he can do it, I can do it, which I think is... Maybe I should work on my ball-talking game, you know? But I I will say, when you said luck, you know, there has to be a little bit of luck insofar as that, okay, he won the Masters big time. You know, he destroyed everyone in the field, wire to wire. But when it came to the Open, the US Open, like Dustin Johnson three-putting from 12 foot is is a little bit lucky. And he may have still gone on to win it, but Dustin Johnson didn't even bring him into the... You know, like, he made mistakes himself, you know, on closing, so, like, it could have been a... Can yeah, we... In general, you do, you need a little bit of luck to win, we all know that, you know, you get, you, if you have a really good score in your own competition range, you've probably got so, a, so a friendly bouncer too, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I suppose so. what I mean is, it wasn't like it, 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 it was handed to him, he went out yeah. and won it rather than, than that. Let's have a very brief look at uh, Rory McIlroy's... Um, Week was was one that was sixty eight seventy one seventy one sixty nine. I think if his uh, putter had been a little bit hotter, he might have been a bit higher up. But uh, slightly worrying that you know there was comments attributed to him afterwards that kind of basically alluded to he would have much rather have been in Wales watching uh, the rugby and watching Ireland play in the quarterfinals rather than necessarily being at the fries dot com and. Um, He's a man who has said a few things over the last couple of weeks that have kind of irked sponsors and irked a few people, like what he said around the Tour Championship of $10 million isn't really what he's interested in. Yeah, somewhat. It's irked because he's breaking the mold from the usual PC comments that come from golfers who are just trying not to ruffle, not ruffle too many feathers, but just... You know, they're not going to get themselves into trouble with the media if they kind of stick to the, the, the story they're given, you know. Well, I suppose... He, he just gives the honest approach, which I think is really refreshing. It's fine. Is there also... Is there, can I be honest here now? Rory McIlroy is my favourite golfer by far, right? But I have to turn around now and say, is there a certain element of childish antics going on here? Because he started talking about the 10 million not being, you know, his major concern when he wasn't really in a position to win the 10 million, right? Mm. Then his comments prior to the fries.com were that he was delighted to be there because he felt that during the he he would only join the tour mid season where he's already so far behind points wise mm-hmm. that he was delighted to be at the fries dot com and given an opportunity to win five hundred points earlier mm. so as he's not chasing behind. Then all of a sudden he's he's played like an Egypt uh, his putter wasn't playing well and then he turns around like a kind of a spoiled little child and went I didn't really want to be there anyway so you think it's it's more impetuousness kind of like I, I, yeah. I think that there's if and this would be the only limited advice I'd be giving Rory is get back to world number one you know you're in a dogfight now with, with Spieth and Day and a few others just concentrate on the golf and stop talking about things like that because you know we had it years ago about the Ryder Cup that really he didn't care about the Ryder Cup. It wasn't something that really, you know, now we're getting, you know, oh, Ryder Cup, it's like the greatest thing that is ever, and I want to play my way on, you know, because he's going to a meeting in a few weeks with the European tour head guys to say, look, 13 tournaments guaranteed on the European tour is too much for him, and that really the American tour is where his head's at, but obviously he wants to play... I think you're right. I think there's a bit of disingenuousness about the whole thing. I really love to be here. I'm delighted to be at the fries.com. Not playing well. Potter didn't work. All of a sudden, do you know what? I could be over in England, Wales, watching the rugby and enjoying yeah. my season. 
my downtime. Yeah, but I mean, he's only saying what he's feeling. I mean, he's entitled to a change. Well, his emotions mean. change day by day. So, yeah. like, you know, when he realizes he might not have a chance of winning the tournament after shooting back to back seventy ones, he goes, "You know what?" Does he have a responsibility to Fries.com, to the European Tour, to the people who have maybe, turned up? Maybe to, to phrase it to slightly not differently. Not be as honest about certain things. We probably could have said it would have been great to have been in Wales to see the Irish game rather than I'd rather be. You know, mm. but uh, look, I mean, the thing is, people love people love McElroy, yeah. right? They love him. They love, as you say, his honest approach. Butch Harm and all those guys, they always come back after an interview with McElroy and go, I just love the way he, you know, he mm. talks to the truth. You know, they can, you don't hear that from the pros these days. Yeah. He says what he's feeling, he says what's on his mind. You know, and he, it's not that he's changing anything. I just think that it's very funny that, you know, people would take what he says as gospel. They forget about the stuff that he was saying before the competition and they just automatically jump on the stuff he was saying afterwards when he was a little bit peed off. I think I'm going to slightly sit on the fence from my last comment about what I said, but I suppose the other thing is, Everything Rory says gets picked up, of course, and it, it gets spun whichever way. As much as perhaps Tiger, I think the one thing that will be interesting to perhaps watch over the next few years is he's been the darling of the U.S. tour, you know, for quite a while. His stock went up while Tiger's went down. Now all of a sudden they have the Jordan speed there. Yeah, Do they know. really need to have this great figure of? Rory's the face of golf you know is it in their interest to build this guy up and are they going to be a bit more critical now of Rory and saying well actually you know what you shouldn't say that you know we we liked you at the beginning because you were clean cut you were good you know you were the anti-Tiger Woods of of when you came on whether or not that changes slightly now Jordan Spieth and a few of the other American players are are playing well well it'll It'll be interesting to see what will happen is that you know when McElroy does something great, he's there. He's the adopted uh, child. Mm. When he doesn't do something great, he'll be like, "Look at that drunken Irish guy, or that terrible Irish some, guy." Some cliche or yeah, something like that. Something, yeah. You know, look at that. You know, guy. He's he, you know he's throwing his clubs around the place like a little baby. All of a sudden, then he goes and wins the US Open and goes, "But yeah. we've always loved him. Yeah, you know, yeah he's yeah. always been our baby, lovable rogue or whatever." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the reality is. He, it shows what standards he holds himself to and what standards he's held to by the golfing world in that he's uh, he's finished six shots off the off the winning score and it's a disaster of a week yeah you know so he's a, he's a terrible week putting he was my he was uh, on strokes game putting he lost one stroke to the field on average per round that pretty much if he puts on average for the week he, yeah, he's close enough to you know he's within a shot or two of the the winning score so it's it's always if he doesn't win it's always doom and gloom because that's the standard he holds himself to and everyone else holds himself to so if he doesn't win it's a disappointing week yeah. so he's going to be annoyed he's going to probably spout a couple of comments that might be a little flippant they might be a little bit over honest or just uh, I don't know but but see again I don't it's, know it's a good thing I mean, but it's a good thing these things come out because it shows how competitive he is yeah but I don't even know like you you brought you, you told me those comments like I, I didn't see them, so I don't know whether they were said with a, you know, a glint in his eye or a little bit of a half-cheeky smile as in to say, well, you know, maybe he said, oh, I didn't play particularly well. I, don't I, I read them, I didn't see it. So or was, he, yeah, or, yeah. or was right. he led into it by a question? Yeah, by a question you, know, or, you know, but like you never know what, as you say, everything is taken in the context that they want to see it. Yeah. So McElroy didn't play well, all of a sudden he turned around and said, I'd rather have been watching the Ireland match, you know, in Wales. Whereas he may have turned around and said, Do you know what, lads, the game didn't work this week, the putter let me down, I may as well have been in Wales. Perhaps after uh, perhaps after the way that Ireland were destroyed at the weekend, it was probably 
happy not to, not be, to be there, there in the end. Uh, let's let's turn our attention uh, away from last week and onto next week. And the LPGA is moving on to Taiwan, and it's the Fubon LPGA Taiwan uh, Championship at Miramar Golf and Country Club. It's a six thousand seven hundred sixty-six yard par seventy-two. It's a Jack Nicholas uh, designed, opened in nineteen ninety-four. Um, Supposedly one of the best courses over in Taiwan. So uh, yeah, ladies are in for a treat this week. Don't know which a- any, any course designed by Jack though is uh, it's always good. It's, it's always good, you know. It's always a treat to play. So but just on that, because before I forget, did you hear or did I miss? Was it spoken about already? The fact that player uh, Nicholas and um, uh, there's about four of them. They're going to be designing a new golf course together. Ooh, Ooh. like a superstar golf course. Yeah, in America, in some uh, in some complex where there's already a few golf courses. Oh, they're each going to do one golf course, or no, no, they're all doing the they're all. Um, doing one there, together yeah, putting one together oh, that would be cool so there was the triumvirate yeah. in Nicholas Player and Palmer yeah, yeah and then there's a fourth Lee Trevino okay and I think there may be a fifth person but they were all having a meeting and deciding about this but anyway just wanted to say that that's pretty if any, cool if anyone knows anything about it they might let us know or whatever sorry James for interrupting it's just when you mentioned no, it that's, that's alright um, we should jump onto the odds for the tournament if you have them, I, have them I don't have them here, here oh, yeah, for, yeah, for yeah, the, uh, the LPGA. So. Lydia Ko leads the market eleven to four. Stacey Lewis eight to one. Shan Shan Feng eleven to one. So Yun Ryu sixteen to one. As is Suzanne Pedersen, Yanni Tseng, and Amy Yang are eighteen to one. Wonder if Amy can go blast under nine birdies in a row this week. Um, the rest of the field are twenty five to one and out the rest. Yeah, so look, let's let's move on. We spoke about it earlier, and Ian Poulter's dash to uh, Hong Kong, but it is on the European tour, are moving out that direction and they are at the UBS Hong Kong Open in the Hong Kong Golf Club, um, surprisingly in Hong Kong. It's a 7,699-yard par 70. Uh, Scott Hain defends. And uh, Barry, do you have the odds I for do, this? I do, I do, I uh, do. Justin Rose <clears throat> is 11-2 favourite by a good bit from Dustin Johnson, who's 9-1. Matthew Fitzpatrick is fourteen to one. Uh, Gray McDowell showing a little bit of form recently, sixteen to one. Poulter eighteen to one. That's a bit short on him considering the, the form of the way he's playing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really short. Uh, as Patrick Reed is also eighteen to one. Um, Tang Chai Jai and Anurban Lahiri are twenty five to one. Miguel Angel Jimenez, uh, what? <laughs> the cigar smoking, chicken dancing, possible chicken dancing. Even Bradley was the chicken dancer. Yeah. Was that just because of his like, approach yeah, before? they called it the chicken dancer. Oh, okay. I thought it was like a celebration. No, yeah. Okay, moving on, moving on. Um, Marcus Fraser is 28 to 1, Peter Hansen 33 to 1, the rest of the field are 40 to 1 and I suppose, out. I suppose Scott Hend is, is 40 to 1, the yeah. defending champion, if anybody is at all interested. Uh, yeah, a few, few good Harrison names out 66 there. to 1. Yeah, uh, yeah. Peter Uline's out there, uh, Victor Dubuisson making a trip out to Hong Kong, so uh, yeah, we'll see how they get on. And then over in the US, well sorry, I should say, are you going to have a bet on this or are you keeping your money in your pocket for the week? I'm going to have a little cheeky bet on Rickard Carlberg. Okay. Uh, uh, apologies for my Bowditch call last week. That was pretty pathetic. Yeah. Sorry, well, no, he, he was present on the golf course um, for a lot of swings, probably a lot too many to even make the call. I said McElroy, I don't know. The, I the, other one, the other one actually has shown a little bit of form recently, Peter Uline. 
I think I might throw a few cheeky euro on him as well. So that, that's where I'm at. Do not follow me ever. <laughs> so look, we'll we'll move to the US then, and I suppose uh, this is the second second uh, event on the the new US PGA Tour for 2016, and it's at TPC Summerlin in Las Vegas, Nevada. A nice part of the world to be in at the moment when it's raining outside. Uh, 7,255 yard, par 71, Ben Martin defends, and the the odds... I have them here, so we're going to go front of, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Ricky Fowler is 10 to 1 market leader, Brooks Kepka is 18 to 1, Kevin Na going for, uh, well, trying to overcome the disappointments of last week, and he's had crushing disappointments over the last couple of years, he's mm. 22 to 1. Grio is 25 to 1, as are Brand Snedeker and Ryan Moore, Las Vegas local, usually goes quite well around here. Jason Bone and Jimmy Walker, 28 to 1. Webb Simpson, Tony Finnow are 30 to 1. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how Finnow gets on this year now, after his uh, rookie season last year. He's been got over all the nerves of every single, you know, the first time he's played this event, first time he's played that one, so, yeah. um, he's a big bomber, you know, he could go well in, uh, Las Vegas, you know, hot, warm air, ball going far. Scott Piercy, 33 to 1. Patrick Rogers, 35. As is Brendan Steele, who kind of set the world on fire in round one last week, but kind of fell away. Uh, Charlie Hoffman's 40 to 1. Will Wilcox, Charles Howell are 45 to 1. And, uh, at 50 to 1, we have Hunter Mahan, Russell Knox, Brendan Todd, Ryan Palmer, Chris Stroud, and the chicken dancer, as they call him, Keegan Bradley. So, uh, good, pretty good field for early on in the season. Uh, the guys must be taking Rory's advice and get, trying to get some early Fedex Cup points up. Yeah. So, that's what we have ahead of us this week. We're, James, you're not playing golf this week. Myself and no. Will will be. And your new clubs are probably being built by some highly skilled Titleist technician right now. I you don't so. want to think about it because you're getting no, too excited. No, I don't excited. want to think. It's I, kind of like waiting for Santa to arrive and as it, no, when you're I'm, a kid I'm, you can't go to sleep at night. So. I'm thinking nothing about it. Uh, yeah, I, I start I, pre-season technically tomorrow. So. I'm going to get on the internet and try to find photos of the new people using the new AP2s and the TMBs and then send them to you just to... <laughs> right, on that note uh, thank you Will, thank you Barry, thank Thanks, you to James. the listeners. Thanks, uh, if you want to get in contact at Podcast GTS is the Twitter handle uh, goodtalkspoiled at gmail.com and we will talk to you all this day next week (laughs) bye bye you're fine bye bye